that middle interview. You are very welcome. One more time, thank you guys for returning, streaming, downloading, and checking out our podcast, That Metal Interview Podcast, with your friend James. And we have on this episode from Carnifex, Mr. Scott Ian Lewis. No, it's not Scott Ian of Anthrax, but it's uh, Scott Ian Lewis, frontman extraordinaire for Carnifex, badass vocalist, of course. And we asked him the question about his name, of course. You know, I had to I had to ask him, you know. So check out the interview with Mr. Scott Ian Lewis. Scott Lewis, is some of you might know him, frontman for Carnifex. He talks to us about the band's latest album, Graveside Confessions, uh, Nuclear Blast Records. It's out now. It came out September 12th. And so uh, let's check out the title of the album, the video itself, Graveside Confessions. Carnifex, we'll be right back.
what a video, what a song. Crazy, crazy metal, man. Metal, heavy metal. Well, it's not heavy metal. This is more like death grind, death core. Not sure what you want to label it, but to me it's metal. It's uh, death metal. So anyways, Graveside Confessions out now. Nuclear Blast Records. Uh, buy it, stream it, download it, support the band in their website, on their socials. Uh, buy their merchandise, you know, support live music, man. If they go out on the road, uh, go check them out. You know, any band in that, for that matter, you know. So let's go with the interview uh, with the front man for Carnifex, Scott Ian Lewis. Enjoy. How are things in, uh, you're in California. How are things over there with the COVID? Uh, you know, not great. <laughs> I mean, you know, we're, we're, uh, yeah, we're here in SoCal and down in San Diego. So it's been, it's been a long year and a half. Or maybe it's even longer than that at this point. But yeah, basically we've been uh, we've been on lockdown since March 12th of 2020. So it's been tough. The same thing here. I'm in Texas, so but same thing, huh? I guess we're going through the same ordeal. Yeah, it's it's been an ass kicker, but uh, shit. I figure if we could survive this, maybe we'll be all right. You know? <laughs> exactly. So uh, let's start off with a new album. Gravesite Confessions, uh, September 12th, Nuclear Blast, right? Uh, talk to us about the making of this record. Uh, who wrote the riffs and the lyrics for people asking, you know? Yeah, well, um, Sean and Corey, they, they pretty much wrote the album uh, musically. Uh, you know, Sean is uh, our drummer. He's been the main songwriter in the band since day one. Uh, Corey, of course, joined in 2007. And so, or 2006, what am I saying? Yeah, he joined in 2006. Yeah. So he, he's been in the band for a super long time. And um, oh, it was awesome to get those two writing again. Um, they they kind of, you know, Sean had kind of been doing a bunch of the stuff on his own. And then uh, Corey had just been, you know, really just working on rhythm guitar stuff. So he stepped up to lead guitar. And he wrote a bunch of great shit. And then uh, the lyrics were written by myself. I just I wrote all the lyrics, uh, kind of did the theme for the album, got the cover art together, all that stuff. I saw an interview where uh, you speak of not writing, not wanting to write about. Uh, I think one of your, your examples was, what if I wrote about President Bush back in, back in the day? <laughs> <laughs> remember that? That interview. Yeah, I do remember that interview. You know, I actually kind of stand by that, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, I don't know. You know, I, I, I guess you could go either way on it. You know, some people will tell you, oh, you know, you're ignorant for ignoring politics and stuff like that. And it's like, well, it's not out of ignorance. Like, we're making a choice to not focus on an administration that lasts four years. It's like, you know, we're in office <laughs> as, as a metal band longer yeah. than half these presidents are. So right, yeah. why, am I give, why am I giving them a record? Like, no offense, <laughs> I don't want to talk about some random president on stage for years and years to come like it just doesn't make sense to me like if yeah. i think back to our first record dead in my arms you know we can it, it, 2007 2006 it was a fairly political time I, a lot of people probably won't remember this us older folks do uh the whole not my president thing that had already happened already with with bush like you know nothing new there we've kind of already lived this also yeah you know, let's think back to that time. Let's say I'd made made some anti-Bush record. Do you think that album would have any relevance right now? Anyone would give a shit? Nobody. Nah. Nope. Yeah. Yeah, and that's kind of where I'm at with it. It's like, 
if, if you as an artist, you want to give your record to a political figure, I, that's your choice. You do whatever you want with it. But for us, it, it seems a bit superficial and a bit on the nose, not very artistic, personally. Yeah, that was pretty cool. That stuck with me, that uh, that President Bush example. That's cool. So, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so anyways, uh, so speaking of the new album, what were you guys shooting for? Uh, how is this album different than the last one, uh, would you say, uh, World War X, for example? Or would you say it's just a continuation? No, I would say it is different. You know, it is different. The The way we wrote it, the way we recorded it was very different. Um, we, we're a four-piece now, not a five-piece, so that's a pretty big difference. Um, we didn't really work with anybody uh, outside of the band on the studio side. We didn't really work with any guest musicians either. So it was kind of, um, you know, do, we've all been pretty, you know, confined uh, yeah. to basically solitary this, like, last year and a half. And luckily... You know, Sean, who me and him, you know, really spent the most time on the record. We're, we're we live ten minutes away from each other, so we were cool. able to stay like focused on the album as as much as we could. Um, and I think that was actually like our kind of the saving grace of this whole last year and a half was stay focused on the record, try to write something that the fans are really going to connect with and love, and then also write a record that is. You know, we enjoy listening to as metalheads. Um, where World War X, we were definitely considering, like, you know, how, how's it going to be received by critics? How's it going to sell? Let's hope it sells well. Let's try to set some expectation for how it does commercially, etc. Um, this time around, we, we really didn't have any of those thoughts. You know, it was more just let's just make a record that we love listening to and the fans love listening to. Awesome. So the the songs we've heard uh, so far are badass. So congrats on that, man. So um, thank you, man. Did they send you the record? Do you have it? I do. I do. Awesome. Oh, okay. I just, awesome. Well, well, yeah. I hope you've been enjoying it. Oh, it's awesome. It's just great. You know, I'm sure people would love it. You know. Hell yeah. That's good awesome. Uh, so kind of like a different uh, subject here. Have you ever had any issues with your name? <laughs> you know, Anthrax Scott Ian. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> any um, any stories there? <laughs> Any stories? Anything off the wall? No, <laughs> no stories. Oh, I can't think of one thing. Okay, I can't think of one thing. It's pretty silly, but maybe that's why it's funny. I do remember I got tagged on Twitter by this publicist. Oh, <laughs> and she was like a publicist for for you know for Anthrax, and when she tagged me and it was like all this stuff, and I just wrote back, you know, like I don't even know what it says. It's like uh, wrong, wrong Scott or whatever. And she like blasted me with some tirade about how there can only be one, and I'm some faux fan composer. <laughs> and I'm like, um, I hate to break it to you, but that's actually my name. Like, I, you know, two people can have the same name. I don't know wow. if you know this, <laughs> but that's kind of the only thing I've ever experienced. I, I, you know, some people ask me, like, oh, were your parents Anthrax fans? And I'm like, not even close, friend. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I mean, what what are the chances of uh, you, for example, being born into the metal scene, and you know, there's already another famous Scott Ian, you know? <laughs> yeah, it was. I know, mean, I know you're Lewis. World, I suppose. Your last name's Lewis, of course, but yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, hey, it's fine with me. I actually I like the name, so yeah, it's cool that some someone else out there has it. Awesome. Let's change a uh, subject here a bit. Uh, how did uh? The Alyssa White Gloves uh, collab come about, man. Uh, did you guys already know her before, or how did that come together? 
Um, you know, we were looking for uh, a guest vocalist to be on the record that was really outside of the deathcore genre. Yeah. And uh, initially, we were, we were looking at Chelsea Wolf. Uh, if you're familiar with her, uh-huh. um, she does like kind of like dark wave, uh, kind of almost like post black style music. Really interesting. Cool. Um, and then uh, that didn't work out. And so from there, we were trying to find someone who kind of had this had like the blend of of like brutal vocals, but also could add like a good melody. And that's when we uh, contacted Alyssa. We sent her the demo, uh, sent her the lyrics. She really enjoyed it, connected with the music, and said, yeah, let's go for it. So, it, um, yeah, we kind of let the music do the talking, I guess. You know, she liked the track. And so we decided to do it together, and I, I thought she did a really awesome job. A lot of people don't know this, but uh, in collaboration, uh, these kind of things, uh, artists will record on their own, right? And then send you the files or whatever. So did you guys ever get to meet her and talk to her, or was it just uh, like that? Well, we did shoot the music video together. Oh, so, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah, so we we were met and were on, on set for a couple of days at yeah. our own location when we did the music video. Prior to that... Prior, yeah. I'm trying to... I don't know if I had ever met her in person. I think... Maybe I did when she was in the Agonist, like way back when, when we yeah. played a festival. But I think that was the first time we had met at, with her as the vocals for our enemy. I read somewhere you worked with a producer that hated Deathcore. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> wow, what happened there? <laughs> Damn. Um, That's what messed happened up. there? Well, you know, this is 2008, and we were on Victory back then. So it's, you know, it was a, it was a very... Uh, We were a young band, so we pretty much just go where we're told, you know? Yeah. And it, it was our first record on Victory, so we didn't... Not only did we not have a lot of uh, autonomy, but, you know, you're also trying to... You know, you want to go with the flow, and if they say, hey, you got to go work with this producer, you know, you're like, okay, yeah, let's go make a great record with this producer. And um, so, you know, you're trying to do, do everything right, and then you get there, and you kind of realize, like, be young and excited and you like this you know new deathcore kind of music but as we know you know 2008-2009 the anti-deathcore sentiment was really strong you know it was very popular to hate on and make fun of deathcore you know there was no one yeah. cared about being a gatekeeper back then it was all good fun right yeah um and so we pretty much just ran into that everywhere and believe it or not we ran into it in the studio too you know so wow. that's why the the disease and the poison sounds very different from dead in my arms you know it sounds like very obviously different um a lot of that was the producer's influence wow what is what, what, what an experience wow it's yeah so you know we, we don't even know we were going through it at the time you know what i mean you just sort of realize it like why is why are we getting so much pushback like what do you mean we can't record with this much distortion on the guitar like what do you mean our drummer can't do a ga gravity blast like what do you mean i can't like do a guttural under the mic like that's wrong that's not real oh, okay i mean what do we know we're a young band you know yeah. so you kind of you kind of don't really realize it while you're going through it you sort of realize it after the fact you know oh that's messed up wow well you guys turned out badass so we can <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean you know and that's the thing it's like the music business isn't looking out for your band You know, it's like you have to look out for your band. And we, we learned all those lessons along the way as far as like you realize that like it's not just a it's not just everybody getting together to have a good time. You know, like people are just there to make money for the most part. 
So how about the, the 2012 hiatus? Uh, was that because of the label or or, or was it a combination it of things or? It was primarily because of the label. You know, we were in a deal that just was not structured so we make any money. And then, uh, let's see, we fired our manager and so that manager called our agent, made our agent fire us. Uh, pretty standard for the music biz. Retaliation is normal. Yeah. Um, and especially against artists. It happens regularly where industry people will gang up to get an artist kicked off a roster, kicked off a tour. It happens all the time. Um, so we were going through that. And then, yeah, the victory deal basically was just like, kind of made it impossible to be a functioning business you know yeah um and then again like the whole anti-deathcore thing like we just couldn't get tour opportunities people the industry people just hated deathcore we really? were basically just the juggalos of metal that bad wow, wow. They, yeah man it was that bad um we would get emails back from managers with just one sentence we don't work with bands on victory you know okay damn wow. um so we just were realizing like it has it's not about our music it, it's just you know it just is it's about the industry more than anything else and so our choices as artists were well we can continue on and create some sort of compromised version of the band which we weren't willing to do yeah. or we can just say hey you know what uh, we're out like we don't want to be a part of this and that's what we did so uh, we just sort of just took a step back. Um, Sean and I started working on Die Without Hope just on our own. And then thankfully, eventually, you know, we had a great lawyer. We were able to get off of Victory, get out of that deal. And then we got signed with the guys over at NB. Gerardo was running the North American label at the time. And he was um, really supportive of the band. One of the few people that actually saw the musicianship and the artistry and the music and and he signed us and then we did Die Without Hope so uh, yeah really those first you know those first six seven years were, were brutal man like people hated us the industry yeah. didn't want to give us a chance and we were kind of on the wrong side of cool you know what I mean yeah didn't have a didn't have a cool manager didn't have a cool agent definitely didn't have the cool label so all those things were really working against us that's horrible man so uh, take us back in time. At uh, what age did you find out uh, you had a badass death metal voice? When did you find out you could? <laughs> yeah, you know, congrats on that. I mean, I, I, I can't sing like that, you know. When did you find <laughs> out uh, you could do that, you know? Shit, man, I don't know. I'm trying to think. So my first, like, serious metal band uh, was like 14, 15. I played guitar and I screamed. Um, by, by saying I played guitar, I was butchering the instrument i really only knew our riffs <laughs> you know i was that yeah. guitar player um, <laughs> and uh yeah we, i think we played one or two shows with me playing guitar and singing and I, what i realized that was that i kind of i didn't like all the shit that went into the guitar like having to bring like your amp and having to you know make sure your guitar is a tune have a guitar warm up. i kind of just realized you know i just want to be a screamer you know i'd rather just sort of uh, focus on that performance rather than just investing into hitting the notes right like i'd rather perform you know um and so uh from there i moved on to just just singing and then um 
I don't know. I've pretty much been a screamer since I was 15. And I had, I guess, four bands prior to Carnifex. Uh, uh, Anastasis, Grieving Over Darkness, Incinerate, and Sylvan Fortress. And then I took like two years off from music because uh, I really thought the last man was going to go somewhere. And like we never did. We just couldn't couldn't get it together like couldn't get on the road couldn't get good shows going the whole thing so i kind of gave up and um really working a construction job yeah and, and then i met sean and carnifex took off you know wow what, what a cool story cool so yeah. i see you guys are hitting the road soon huh uh, october or when you guys uh september 3rd we we start oh. uh touring with the black dollar burger oh, okay but that's nice you guys hitting texas we are absolutely yeah for sure so give us your favorite song to play live, uh, favorite Carnifex song to play live. Oh, man, that is a tough one. Because, <laughs> They're all badass, of know, course. Yeah, they, they are. And for me, what I get out of the music is is people enjoying the music. That That's where my enjoyment comes from. So it's really about the song that I see the audience connecting with the most and, and just living in the most. So, you know, Hell Shows Me... A lot of my face, um, dark heart ceremony. Yeah. Oh, uh, here, let me switch you over to speakerphone. There we go. Um, like those are the ones that I, I'm really into because those are the ones where I see the fans having the most fun, you know? Yeah. Nice. All badass songs to me. So give us your best gig and give us your worst gig. Oh shit. I don't even know if I, I don't even know if I, the answers for that uh okay <laughs> let me think these are fan questions yeah okay well worst gig all right here you go we played this place in bowling was it yeah bowling green kentucky just out there you know okay and it was a bingo hall and everyone's just smoking cigarettes inside like there's no fucking tomorrow <laughs> and then um you know like we we have like a little catering meal that that they bring you before the show, and it was it was a pizza, right? So we were like, oh, I, all right, get some pizza, sick. But on this pizza, instead of using marinara sauce for the red sauce, they just put salsa on it, and not even good salsa. It's like oh. Tostitos mild. <laughs> no way! What the hell? I know, man. So we're eating pizza with like this salsa on it i was just like man wow. this is the worst show fucking ever right? i never thought of that you know? wow so yeah we were playing just like this smoky ass bingo hall eating salsa pizza that was, a- <laughs> <laughs> that, that was a day where i was like i probably should have made better choices with my life um <laughs> best show i don't know man like there's some great ones i i, I instantly my mind kind of goes to like uh, you know when we we headlined Summer Slaughter and we got to play sold out Los Angeles. Uh, that's that was a great one. Awesome. Um, you know some of the shows we've had at the Palladium in Massachusetts has been absolutely amazing. Um, I can think back actually thinking of a Texas show, dude. The White Rabbit. Oh yeah, San, San Antonio. Texas. Yeah. We were uh, we were touring with All Shall Parish. We were direct support for All Shall Parish. It was 2012. It was. Uh, Alshaw Parish, Carnifex, Flesh God Apocalypse, Conducting from the Grave, and The Contortionist. Great lineup. Wow. And we played The White Rabbit, and yeah. that place was just sold the fuck out. Yeah. It was off. Like, I still remember that show to this day. Awesome. But uh, yeah, The White Rabbit, yeah, I think it's closed down, I think. Or 
Not sure. Yeah, they closed it. I think they changed the name to like, Paper Tiger or something like that. But yeah, that's, that's it, right. It, yeah. It was, wow, what a bad show. Cool, cool stories, man. Uh, would you like to send a message to the your fans listening to this podcast? Yeah, man. Just you know, stream the record wherever you can. Spotify, Apple, YouTube, wherever wherever you listen to music, and then listen to it front to the back. I hope you enjoy it. If you enjoy it. Uh, take the time to hit our web store. You can get it on vinyl, you get it on CD, you get it on tape, or just pick up a T-shirt. And then, of course, we're on the road all of September, all of October. Uh, come out and see a show. It'd be great to see everybody again. Awesome. Thank you, Scott. Thank you for sharing these stories, and thanks for chatting, you know. Appreciate that. Uh, you can see you on the road soon, I guess. Hey, man. Thanks for the call. I appreciate the interview. For those about to rock, man, thank you guys. Uh, thank you guys for joining us for the first time. For all you first-timers checking out that Metal Interview podcast, much appreciated from your friend James, all the way from the state of Texas, man. So, uh, great pleasure speaking to Mr. Uh, Scott Ian Lewis of the great, great deathcore band Carnifex. Uh, grindcore, or not sure what you want to call it, but to me it's some badass death metal. And the great, great vocalist, man, great, awesome voice he has there. He spoke to us about... The little hiatus they had in uh, 2012. And we hope you guys enjoyed this interview as much as I did. So anyways, thank you Nuclear Blast Records for bringing us all these different badass metal bands. So thank you Nuclear Blast and everybody there working. A big shout out from that metal interview podcast. Thank you Mr. Lewis for spending a little bit of time with us. And don't forget to keep it metal. (laughs) 